Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Podcast episode 106. I'm your first host, Marcello. Host number two, D. Host number three, Dr. Corpetti. Hey, he dropped the doctor this time. He dropped the doctor bomb. That's what we're and going for. Just dropped the, the Skype call. Elias, Elias. He's Elias. He's Elias. Merry Christmas, Pabs. Oh, <laughs> Merry it's Christmas, coming. everybody. Are we going to sing a song? Silent night. Swing in there, cello. Oh, I'm good, man. You got it. I don't know that part of the song. Yeah, me That's too. What <laughs> That's why I left it to you guys. <laughs> well, we did. It's since it's Christmas, like, you know, no one wants to podcast on Christmas, so we decided. You know, get one of our our fans from our Slack to kind of yep. join us. Yeah, we got like uh, I don't know, seven people in queue for early January. Yeah, January is going to be one hell of a month. Yep, but everyone's like, no, I'm not going to podcast. We're just going to let's let's put it off till next year. I think that I think the world shuts down late December. That's very well, true. I tell you what, though, since the one guy who skips our ads is like here, maybe we should just for this episode just do the ads at the top because he can't he can't fast forward it because he's here. All right, yep, do it. I'm pretty sure more people skip our ads than him, but <laughs> I like to think it's just him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but hopefully, you know, during the holidays, you you had a chance to use EscrowMyBits.com. They've been a longtime sponsor for us, uh, but you know, you could use them after the holidays as well because. It's super easy, and it's only going to take you three steps. All you got to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin, seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, and releases the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. Say what? Yeah, yen, euros, they got you covered no matter where you are. Um, They're going to charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all escrow transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So we went there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. So to start that escrow process, go to their website and make sure you sign up for their newsletter to stay up to date where you can escrow your shit with escrowmypants.com. And then thanks to Corey, man, new sponsor time. Mm. Yeah. If you uh if you got something super whack for uh for Christmas and you want to retaliate by googling terrorism, meth ingredients, <laughs> and how to make a bomb, and hope the cops come over and get your parents in trouble, well guess what? Your dad's using VPN. It's not gonna work. 
Why? Mm -hmm. Because VPN service encrypts your connection and provides you with an anonymous IP to protect your privacy. And I'm talking like the great folks at Private Internet Access. They provide VPN tunnel services. So you mm -hmm. can start browsing securely and anonymously with PPTP, IPsec, LT. You know, there's a lot of acronyms, but it's strong, <laughs> it's secure, it's the best. In fact, Corey's been using it for years. Yeah, man, I have it on all my devices. Yeah, it's on my phone, I use it on all my computers, I put it on my router. They have, whatever client you're using, they have a way to, to put it on there and then really great tutorials to help you out, help you get it on there if you can't figure it out. Most mm. of the stuff is just like download the client, install it, it works. That's super easy. And it's only three thirty three a month, and there's a seven day money back guarantee. Uh, and they take Bitcoin. And they take Bitcoin. PC Mag calls uh, private internet access. It outperforms and outfeatures the competition, so it's the best. So go to uh, privateinternetaccess.com and uh, get that shit. Yeah, you're way into the dark net. If you get all deep down in there, you're gonna want to use a VPN. Or, you know, you just want peace of mind. That's not the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I would use it. Yeah. <laughs> not Going if you're just Googling the... murder all day. No, it's, there's <laughs> other reasons. <laughs> uh, we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin. It's the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs uh, located in Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas. Uh, you can download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play. And for specific locations... And more information, visit athenabitcoin.com. And we're also brought to you by their portfolio company, bitquick.co, which is secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. They've been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. Where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. And I should note that Athena Bitcoin uh, gave close uh to charity this holiday season so they're doing very good in the community so shout out to athena bitcoin shout out well do we get started now yeah Is what's mr. on the playa? docket mr playa player here player's not here not here <laughs> he messed All right, so we're, it up. we're here with uh elias <laughs> player what's up what's going on and it's elias elias Elias. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you said it right. It's so hard for me because I, yeah. I have a Brazilian friend named Elias. He spells it the same way you do, but the I and the A are switched. Yeah. So it's not the same way you do. And uh, every time I see your name, I keep saying his name, but Elias. No, Where's that from? What kind of name is that? Okay, so funny story. Um, I probably should have been named Elias, but because my mom is black and black people like to make shit up. <laughs> she switched the A and the I and I became Elias. But there is some history in that Dionysius, like the Greek god of wine and getting fucked up on the weekends, um, he had a daughter named Elias. <laughs> and she was the goddess of goddess of olive oil. Yeah. That means you got how, smooth skin. How does she look? Can I Google this? Elias yeah. goddess? Yeah. He used to say Dionysius is the god of the turn up. Yeah, he is the god of the turn up. <laughs> so then would you say that Lil John is the reincarnated version of Dionysius? So, Dionysius. No, I Dionysius. think that uh, 
DJ Khaled is the reincarnation of Dionysus. Another one. Also the goddess of fertility. Oh. She's gotta be hot then. Yeah. Uh, is she hot, Cello? I mean, picture. Oh, yeah. wait a second. We're definitely objectifying 5% of our listeners. Well, so. the Greeks objectified them first because all the gods are like, you know, uh, they're like not, not real people. They're like personifications of various weirdness that happens mm-hmm. in the human psyche. Mm-hmm. So women, we didn't Her. objectify you. The Greeks did it first. We're just yeah. copying Pasting. But they objectified the men, too, for instance. See, but yeah. men are okay with being objectified. Yeah, because we all look sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, objectify the shit out of me, woman. Oh, yeah? Come objectify yeah. me. <laughs> Anyways, we should probably talk about Bitcoin. So not, well, Let's do a little backstory. Um, you know, he's, he's probably one of the uh, most engaged person on our Slack. He always offers, like, really good insight. And um, he originally, you know, he got into crypto while um, exploring alternate transaction models for a fledging magic system. So I want to hear about that. Okay, so uh, I write fantasy. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm published or that my fantasy is particularly good. But uh, one of the things that I got tired of was the fact that most quote-unquote magic systems were just a variation on, like, the D&D school of magic system. So you'd have, you know, your magic system, your system that, like, shoots fireballs and lightning bolts, you know, your evocations. You'd have your illusion schools. You know, you'd have your transformation schools, the ones that, that you turn into other objects. And if you go to, say, our fantasy writers or our world builders, those two subreddits, you'll see like lots and lots of takes on the magic systems, which generally just come out to be some variation on the school of the magic system. And you even see that like in Harry Potter and the works of Brandon Sanderson. So I was trying to figure out a way to like make a magic system that you can like do use like very, very basic principles for kind of like say, Newton's laws of physics, you know, there's like three of them and we all like sort of intuitively know them and we recognize them, but from that you can derive like this bigger system. And then I stumbled upon Bitcoin as this like sort of model. So you know how blockchains work, like, you know, the longest chain tends to be the one that is the quote unquote blockchain, you know, the one that everyone else sort of has to like go with. Well, what if reality worked that way, where reality was pretty much like the longest chain in a series of events, and your way of breaking reality was to basically do the same thing you'd have to do to break Bitcoin, which is, you know, like emulate the chain up to a point and then diverge. And so I started working on it, but, you know, you start reading about Bitcoin and you can't help but get swept up in the excitement of it. The idea that, you know, there's going to be, there's this decentralized currency that everybody can use that's not controlled by banks, that can't be manipulated by governments, that, uh, you know, we, that holds its value over time. And so I was like, you know, I kind of want to get in on this. Well, mostly Bitcoin and Ethereum 
And so I got in on it and I started buying Bitcoin and I started buying Ethereum, but like, I don't have a, I figure Ethereum is kind of purpose built and I don't really see a purpose in buying it until like some of the dApps start taking off. So yeah, that's kind of how I got in Bitcoin. How'd you find the Slack? Oh, uh, how did I find the Slack? Um, I don't remember exactly where I heard about you guys as well, like podcast from, but I may have saw it on Reddit or maybe I was just browsing like the list of podcasts and I saw the Bitcoin podcast. And so, you know, I decided, sure, I'll give it a listen because at the time, one of the things that frustrated me the most about trying to find out more about Bitcoin and blockchains and all that stuff was that everyone was talking about it like a marketing term and like just this holy grail of everything you'd ever want from the internet in life and you know like some of the more, <laughs> you know like some more frustrating things like no one says blockchains they just say the blockchain right and people are trying to sell it as like the next internet just like people sell the cloud as quote unquote the cloud when it's just your shit on other people's computers <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like, that being said like i ran across you guys podcast i listened to an episode um i think the very first episode i listened to was the one you guys had a person on who who's a musical guy and i think he was selling this whole thing through like bitcoin like he was only selling his album for bitcoin mm-hmm. and that was one of cello's scrabs yeah. yeah and so like i was listening to that guy talk and then what i really i liked you guys podcast and you know you guys just like are keeping it real by being chill about bitcoin you know you talk about the future you talk about the exciting stuff but you're you're not like oh my god let me just like masturbate on this and tell everybody about it so that they can come join my circuit tour and you you know you you pimp your your, uh snack channel all the time so i was like fuck it i'm gonna go hang out I got on Slack channel. We need more nice. people like you. Yeah. Our Slack channel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I do my circle jerking not on the internet. I do that in real life. So, well, can we can we change the name of our Slack to the circle jerk? To the circle jerk. Circle jerk. <laughs> Where you have to come in and you have to tell everyone your technique. Like no, you any eye stares get kicked the fuck out. Right. There's only you one technique it, to our circle jerk. It's a decentralized it jerking session. Jerk chain. Jerk chain. Jerk chain. Yeah. I like to wear a hoodie. <laughs> at all I like to wear a hoodie. I like right, to well, make very patterned eye contact with everyone in the circle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're not making eye contact, then just what are you doing? What not, are a you doing? Jerk, not, not a circle jerk, dude. Not a circle jerk. Everybody stops and says, this fucking guy over here is not looking me in my eyes. Somebody do something about <laughs> Anyways, well, thanks, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining all of our crazy conversations, which have ranged from, like, Street Fighter 2 to we talked about life insurance really in depth one day. I think we we scared a lot of people out of the Slack that day. Yeah, like three people were like, nah. Yeah, they were like, this is weird. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Bitcoin, and now I'm thinking about death. Uh, 
And so, yeah, we try to have a good time. Bitcoin is like engrossing in and of itself. So if you just commit to like being a fanboy of it, which I've done enough of, then you're right. It does get old. So, well, I don't think it gets old. You don't think so, Corey? No, I mean, I, I think you get used to saying the same thing to a lot of people. But if you keep digging, like mm-hmm. I, I had been like we started out and I like, understood a lot of Bitcoin at a, at, like a, at a surface level, how it worked, what it's trying to do, what people are trying to do, what type of apps are being built, things like that. And then as I, I explained a lot of these things all the time to people as they were asking me, like, how does it work? And I, when, I, when I would tell people about it, I had the same way of explaining it. Mm-hmm. But I never kept digging, right? For a while, I'd just be like, I was happy with the amount of knowledge that I had. And then I gained information by just talking to people. But I didn't keep researching it. And so the way that I explain things and like the models that I use to try and like make analogies for people stayed the same. And then I started like researching stuff again and like writing educational courses on like on how everything works in depth and giving examples. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed me to really kind of rework a lot of the ways that I see Bitcoin and where it can go and how it works and what its limitations are. And it's kind of rejuvenated a lot of that like initial love slash non-boredom yeah. of all of this. What about the uh, the ledger that just got published? Did you get a chance to read that? Did it Corda? I don't, well, didn't we have them on the show? And it took them like over a year to finally launch that. I didn't know if you read it. Maybe it. Oh yeah, that I actually started reading some of it. Um, I read the first the first paper. What is that? that? It's about ring signatures. Uh, Ledger was the peer-reviewed journal for blockchain. Mm-hmm. Did they and, get out the door? Yeah, it finally, they finally released their first, um, I guess, journal. Not journal, but like uh, round of papers that they've gone through with peer review. And it's it go to ledger.org, I believe. It's like 13 Ledger.org. Is it a me. really is it a really emo journal like today just no, it's, eat it's, the sandwich that I got at lunch. Maybe sad. Like that kind of it journal. It is in depth. So if you're not comfortable wearing uh, reading academic papers, it's kinda rough. Here's the thing, Corey. I'm gonna chime you in on a little detail about life. Like eighty percent of the population Probably higher is not comfortable reading academic papers. <laughs> yeah, so like this isn't this isn't like you know your everyday read, right? It's it's yeah. getting wait. So it's like jazz. Out. Like how do I listen to jazz? I've never listened to jazz before. Is it like that? How do I read an academic journal? It's oh, it, academic much. journals typically start out like this, right? If you're not comfortable with reading them or you haven't done it a lot, it starts off with like you read the abstract and kind of like okay, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I see what you're trying to do read the introduction and like that's a little more in depth that's like telling me what you're trying to do and then you start with like this first section and you're like what the fuck and then you yeah. lose it it's over so right my uh, strategy for academic papers is abstract introduction then you read their conclusion and then you find out exactly what they want you to believe by the end of the paper and then if you know what they want you to believe by the end of the paper when you go back and you read the methods and you read 
the data and all the crap that they have in between. It helps you put it in its proper context because then you can always like think, oh, so they're doing this with respect to trying to get this conclusion. Mm. All right. So I like let me, the let way me, you think on that. Change. Let me one up your <laughs> your reading skills for academic papers. Okay. Do the exact same thing, but the next step instead of reading the paper is look at all of their uh, graphics, their figures, right? Right. And captions, because you should be able to understand what a paper is doing and how they did it and what the results are just by looking at the figures in that paper, if it's a good paper. Well, see, yeah, but most papers are bad, let's be honest. Ah, that's for sure. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, oh, so You I, just made so many scientists sad right now. That's I true. Mean, no, even scientists know it. It's, even scientists it's know it. Hard. Peer review is a really awful, like, there, it's a big problem in the scientific community to get, like, good peer review now. But, and what's exacerbating the problem is, like, now, like, random normies who aren't scientists are, like, picking up these papers and, like, trying to use them to justify their arguments on the internet and shit. And, mm. like, you know, without being able to contextualize the information, you know, as a professional or better yet, as an expert in that crowd. And... Hello? No! We lost... Cliffhanger. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I thought it was like pause for dramatic. Damn it! You guys still there? I'm here. Yeah. So my power flickered. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Sorry. we can pick, pick it back up. It's all good. Uh, you said. I don't even know what you said. Um. Oh, I think I was, like, trying to parlay that into a rant about the internet. Yeah, you're talking about how people will, will, will try and leverage scientific journals for an argument in a wrong way because they're not – they just use it incorrectly. They just try and prove a point when the article doesn't necessarily attempt to prove that point. They just use it because – Right, and then they're they're using it – in that way and then like you know the people they're trying to use it again generally don't know how to read the, kind of, the article that they're using so I don't know it's kind of weird like I think science needs like better gatekeeping but at the same time it needs a better way of making sure that the gatekeepers are on point and doing their job what do you mean by what do you mean by gatekeeping okay so that's what peer review journaling journals are it's a form of gatekeeping. It's a form of keeping the bad stuff, you know, out of the public eye and the good stuff in the public eye. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, but, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's most people, it, like most journals, like I would say, one, they're hard to access because there's a, there's a like a paywall. You have to pay to, to read a lot of these things. And that should probably be changed. And I think we're going to have a series of talks next, uh, early next year that, that kind of really address the problems with the scientific peer review process and yeah. how Bitcoin can disintermediate that type of stuff. But, you know, I think that those would be really good uh, topics to have. And I totally agree with you that, you know, the paywall makes it hard to access the stuff. But, you know, then we have like sources like, say, archive.org. Mm -hmm. um, excuse me. 
there are a few online journals that aren't behind those paywalls, but they're still peer reviewed. I'm just saying that I think that's why I said we need to fix the gatekeeping because right now the gatekeeping is too include well too exclusive, and on top of that, like you still get the bad stuff coming through, and mm-hmm. no, and you know people are totally afraid to publish the results, saying that yeah, this thing I got like you know eight million dollars to experiment with. Uh, we just did the experiments and we got nothing. So. Well, here's the thing. Not all scientific journals are created equal. Like you can't say because you published in a scientific journal that it's good science. And that's what I think the public automatically assumes is that I've created this well-formatted paper that at least has sentences that aren't incoherent. And then someone looked at it and said, okay, so now it's just as good as every other scientific peer-reviewed article out there. And then they use that shitty article to try and leverage against some terrible argument that they may have. The scientific fact, community needs to be... Go ahead. It's, 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 it's not... like There are good credentialed journals where if you do publish in those journals, then it's probably good science. And it's also different amongst the different disciplines of science. That's right? true. That's very different. Like social sciences, you can get away with a lot of different shit because the the metrics they use and practices they use to do to do quote unquote science is is very, very different than say if you're doing a physics experiment. Okay. And I am going to disagree with you there. Um uh with respect to the social sciences, because most of like at least the quantitative research, most of that, they try really hard to make sure they get the math oh, right. Oh, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Uh, not all social science. There are yeah, but, social sciences that have shitty practices, and there are also social sciences that don't. Yeah, the ones that have shitty practices, though, are usually just the humanities. <laughs> yeah. Fuck those yeah. guys. I yeah. mean, no, I won't say fuck the humanities, but like... Uh, <laughs> I think social science is kind of in a weird place where, you know, for so long, a lot of stuff we call social science was a humanity. Like, political science wasn't really a science until, like, you know, the latter half of the 20th century, let's be real. It was, like, some guys sitting in Harvard with, surrounded by book, books of history saying, let me talk about democratic peace theory because democratic peace theory is totally a thing that I don't have to go out and test for. I think and, that... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, like, when it comes to science, um, there's something I've noticed is that there's a, the allure diminishes the older that you get, right? So I think that's a problem. I don't know how it happens, if, whether it's through schooling, whether it's through the way science is permitted the older you get, Maybe it's because the difficulty level of increasing the concepts gets exponentially greater the older that you get. But there's not enough people at those different difficulty levels making it approachable, making it easy to digest for it to proliferate through adulthood. There's something that happens. And I was talking to the guy that Corey referenced that we're going to have on the show in January, a series of shows. Uh, he's trying to decentralize scientific funding. And... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great series, but 
I was talking with him and I was saying, like, when I was a kid, the shit was so fantastic. You open up the science book and it's like, damn, this is life right here. This shit happening. You got all the pictures on all the cool shit illustrating the physics of everything. And they made something as not like something so lame, like types of rock, sedimentary, igneous, all that stuff seem really fucking cool. But then the older you get, it's just like science gets so damn lame. Sorry, Corey. Okay, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Yes. Because it's fucking hard. Yeah. It's not like when you open up a science as a kid, you see all of the applications that have taken place that make cool things. You're like, wow, science made that. And then as you get older and you start to study science, you realize that it's really fucking hard to do these things. And you have to be smart. And unfortunately, there's not like not everybody is smart. And they can't do science. Regard like it's not one of those things that's like, all right, if you do your best, you can you can you can do whatever you want. It's the same. Why thing not? Like LeBron like, James okay, is so really good at basketball wanna... because he's a huge dude. He is physically built to be a really good athlete. There are people that are smarter than other people that are that's physically true. built to be good scientists. You can get better. At science if you keep doing science but there are other people that are just built to do it and okay. we don't want to tell people that they're not smart enough to do it i want to throw out there that um that's one argument for uh the other argument and i think it's actually a function of education in that you're taught science as history when you're in grade school at least we were uh, I think we're all kind of late 20s, early 30s around here. And we were taught science as history. So we didn't necessarily learn the methods. What we learned was the, the facts that people found out along the way. So we learned about Newton. You know, we learned about his three laws. And everyone who was in a science class learned about the apple and the tree story. You know, And it was taught to us as a series of facts and a series of history lessons about the people who came up with these facts and the problem with teaching science like that is that you ignore the scientific method um and also by ignoring the scientific method you in a way keep people from keep thinking critically about say some deeply held beliefs like you know that the earth was made six thousand years ago or you know, just some fundamental idea that they've had about the world. And it's really hard to teach kids that, or at least how to think scientifically without pissing somebody off. Because if thinking, quote unquote, scientifically leads to you to not believe something that is deeply held belief in your community or your country, then it's like, it's going to be a problem. I'll give, I'll give you that. You said what? So I'll give you that. Yeah, and so, you know, on one hand, again, your way of looking at it is one angle of looking at it, but I personally believe that it's a function of education. That's why we, at least in the United States, there was stuff like Common Core and these other big initiatives because, frankly, stuff like science and history and math were, it was universally agreed upon that they were just being taught wrong to a generation of, like, students. And... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, I think, like, with science, that's why it's so cool. Like, when you're a kid, they start telling you, yeah, there used to be these giant fucking lizards walking around the earth. And you know why we know? Because look at these fucking bones. Look at this claw. Look at this claw right here. <laughs> I wish it was explained to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> look at these fucking bones, y'all. Like, these... 
look at the or you learn about space. I mean, look at this moon. Look at this picture of this dude on the moon holding this fucking American flag. Like that's how science was taught to us. And they're like, well, why did he have to wear a suit? Oh, because he couldn't breathe in space. Why couldn't he breathe in space? There's no oxygen. And you know, it's taught. Here's this history lesson. Here's all the things you can learn about this history lesson and what this thing in history and why it works. But like then, they don't teach you. Well, let me tell you how these physicists fucking came to this. Like, you'll learn, like, the fundamental law of force, what, F equals M-A. And, uh, you know, they'll teach you that, but you don't really remember that when you walk away from it after graduating high school. You remember, oh, yeah, that fucking apple fell on Newton's head, and he was like gravity. (laughs) So, so, yeah, like, I kind of feel like the reason scientific people have trouble learning about scientific papers is because we're not taught to think scientifically about science. We're taught, we're taught a series of facts about science. Well, even, even in that though, I'm just saying the grandeur and the curiosity leaves at some point. I'm just curious. And you said you, you, you studied in social sciences, right? You, so I'm just curious to know, like on a grand human scale, when do people stop being interested in things they don't know and start really subscribing to shit that just because they feel like they're so out of control of things that they're like, you know what? I'm going with God. I'm going, that's the route I'm taking. Right. And I'm not letting anybody tell me any different because that's, that's because there's so many things I don't understand and I feel really uncomfortable with my existence. So I'm going to say I don't control it and something else does. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not thinking hard about things. That's what I would love to be explored. Like when does that st- transition start to take place? Cause I can't say even I'm starting to feel it now as I get older, I'm like, man, there's just so much crazy shit going on. I'm just going to be like, there's gotta be some dude or some chick just like, Pulling the strings. Well, why do you have to know? Like, why do you? Why do you need an explanation? Because I why, need it. Because I need why that explanation. Just be okay with not knowing. It's like I, I'm okay. Cool. There's something out there that I don't know, and that should just be it. You don't need. It to makes have my to nuts have... warm, Corey. That's why. Well, it doesn't make you right, but it makes them warm. Also, so like, there's like continuing the conversation. I want to. I want to try and move this into Bitcoin, and I, I, have, a, I have a way to do that. Um, so scientific journals and the articles that are produced in the peer review process aren't for public. That's not the reason they're made. I'm not creating a publishable article so that my mother can read it and take something from it. I'm doing it so (laughs) that it's, it's, it's an experiment on top of previous theory and science that tries to expand it in a systematic and logical way that other people can check and say, okay, he did this. Now I can build on top of that in the community that I'm publishing in. So it, the, that, so I don't expect people to understand what I've done and why I did it and what it means. I expect the other people in that community to be able to, to digest that and build upon it. Okay. Which also means, which also means that, who cares if you don't understand the inner workings of something as long as there's a systematic way of building upon it that can be checked and verified. Don't get me wrong. There are problems with the peer review system and how things are built upon, but it's a pretty good system and it's one that's built 
the iPhone in your hand and everything else that we have today, technologically speaking. And, but this transitions into Bitcoin in that I don't feel people need to understand exactly how Bitcoin works or blockchains or blockchain or whatever the hell you want to call it. But they need to be able to interface with the technology in a way that's comfortable for them. Also, the people who do understand the technology really need to work on how they explain it to people. So that's that last part, that part you just said. It's okay. I get why scientific papers are, are written. I know who the audience is for. But if you are going to create this island of knowledge, then you've got to be able to simultaneously build that bridge that goes to the mass, that goes to the land mass, which is the bunch of people that would ordinarily not give a damn. But let me continue on this analogy with the bridge building. Would people be more comfortable on a rickety old wooden plank deteriorating roped bridge, which is where it works now, or a fucking massively new engineered suspension bridge with the latest and greatest of technology and people feel really comfortable traversing that bridge. That's the problem is that the scientific community isn't building that bridge anymore. And people are like, dude, I'm checking out on that shit. Checking out. I'm not going to cross that bridge. It's, it's hard. It's one of those things that takes time. And I think only now, are people starting to look back into the system that's been built so long ago that they've been comfortable using and realize that it's not very good? There's a rickety but, old bridge. But with as with anything that's built up so much momentum, it's very hard to move or steer or change or stop. So it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort from really smart people to do that and along with money to fund those people to do it. And right. all of that is complicated. Well, so yeah. here's the thing. Um... So our system of finance, and I'm assuming that we are transitioning cleanly away from just talking about science and now talking about, you know, financial institutions. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Yeah. So I agree totally that not everybody needs to know the inner workings of how something works for it to, for them to use it. Uh, But there always will be resistance. Like, for instance, uh, our current system, you know, where basically the bank is the trusted third party and, you know, or I guess the United States, when you trade currency with somebody, when I give them a dollar bill, they know this dollar bill is worth one dollar. You know, it's not as old as you may think. It just kind of it just looks like the old system because now we have this fiat currency where we're basically told by the government, hey, this dollar is worth a dollar. When before the fiat system was like, hey, this dollar, if you take it to a bank, they should give you, they'll be able to give you its like worth in gold, you know? And the reason why we were able to move to this system was because the transition was so seamless and so obfuscated to look like, say, the old system where your dollar actually meant more than the full faith and credit of your country that people just didn't really notice. The only people who cared that we switched from, say, a gold standard to a fiat standard were bankers, and particularly international bankers who were like, oh, so wait, I can't get take trade my money out, my U.S. dollars out for, like, gold anymore? We don't trade in gold anymore? And, like, it was a big deal then. And 
I think with Bitcoin and, you know, cryptocurrencies in general, that's kind of the way it should go in the sense that eventually, like, I don't know how hardware cash Bitcoin, will, what that will look like. Because I guess when you have cash Bitcoin, even then you're pretty much like reliant on like say a third party to change that out. And now that I'm thinking about it, I guess it'll be like a bill with like 12 words on it that you feed into a machine and reads the 12 words and knows to take money out of your wallet. <laughs> but, um, I'll tell you this much. There won't be cash Bitcoin. That's, that's not going to be a thing because it, it kind of goes against what, what all of the things that make Bitcoin worthwhile to be used and the trend, at least the way it seems over the past five years and where things are really moving is going towards a cashless society in general, like India cutting out banknotes, Australia's I think going for a completely cashless society. Like I never carry cash. Everyone's gotten so comfortable nowadays with bank, with debit cards, credit cards, and using like Visa, like Visa pay digital, digital means of transacting. They just don't care about how do you pay what's the number. How do I pay my barber? I pay him with a credit card. Really? And I go really? to a straight, a, sh- a straight shaved barber. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's Different over here in uh, me and I also live in Washington, D.C., so it's a little... But, I mean, like, it, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while before cash uh, is completely gone. I'm saying the utility days. of cash will diminish from here on out. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that your dollars will be worthless. It's just more often than not, you'll be using a digital means of transacting until your barber gets a machine that reads digital currency, right? And at some point, he's going to have to do it. Just like at some point, your grandma had to stop, had to go buy a digital converter for her old-ass television. Yeah. But, yeah, that's true. And I'm just saying, like, I think, bigger point I was trying to make was like that I agree with you that Bitcoin will take off when it becomes seamless for people to use it in their everyday lives and I don't think the everyday person really should care about the blockchain or like you know all the petty details like cryptographic signatures of the transaction, like, you know, dealing with transactions or how the mining works or any of that stuff. I don't think most people will care. Although most people care is that when I have like one Bitcoin, I can go and like buy something with that Bitcoin. And when I buy it, it's mine. And then I know that like that money can't be like laundered or exploited or taken back. What is that shit? Like chargeback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. You nailed it right on the head, in my opinion. It's, I have some number that represents my physical work to make that number bigger, right? I work to make that number bigger. Mm-hmm. And then when I want to get something physical or real or pay for my house or like go, go buy some food, I increment, I give a little bit of that number to somebody else, and then they give me that food or whatever the hell I'm trying to get. And that's how people view money. They work Uh to allow themselves to get the things that they want and need. And however they do that makes them happy, as long as they don't really have to care about it anymore, as long as as it works for them. There has to be... Go ahead. 
yeah, that, like that's that's it. It's it's is. But if on a back end, if we can make the foundational level of that, so like for, so they don't need to care. But we're not those people. By the very nature of us listening to this podcast, doing this podcast, you being a part of it, we clearly care about the back end of how this stuff works. Right. Mm-hmm. So we need to get better as a community of building these systems so that people don't care, which I think is what Circle's trying to do. No, and not. I mean, I, they could have just been bought out. I don't know. So that, that's this, it's like it's like what it looks like for people trying to do this successfully and people just selling out kind of looks the same. Coinbase and is doing it right. And I I'll put my yeah, foot I down on that to the entire I'll, community. All right. I'll give you that. I think well, Coinbase is doing it right. Well, Coinbase and Circle had, I guess, two different goals, though. Like, Coinbase wants to be a bank. At least that's the way I'm taking it. Like, you can, you're welcome to disagree. But I think Coinbase is looking to be, like, you know, first national Bitcoin of the internet. And well, if it, uh, yeah, you're right. I think at least in the interim space, because in order for this to become what we just said it should be, there's going to need to be that bank. Yes. There's banks exist for a reason. And I, I get really upset with our community when they get upset at banks for the wrong reasons. Like the bank was a great idea. That's why it's permeated for so long and it's been around for so long. It's a great idea. It's been abused, not used correctly. But Coinbase, I think, is doing it right. The, the only thing that makes me think Coinbase does it right is because they give you your private keys if you want them. That's all you have to do. That allows you to say, okay, okay, you can't loan out my money and make fucking money hand over foot on loaning out my money and not give me any of those returns because I have the private key to my money. Now, if you want to loan out my money and make money off of it, then I'm going to get a cut on those returns. But since I have the private key, you ain't doing shit with my money. You see what I'm saying? Like, that is the twist, which allows them to be the bank of the future. Well, that's assuming that fractional reserve banking is all banking. Like, like fractional reserve is relatively new in terms of banking. It's shit. And that may not be the way things move forward because once that got invented and, and become standard practice, that's when all of the crazy shit started happening and, and, and dividends and futures and all the, all the things that are built on the fractional reserve system, all the things that are cards that's built as is, is the problem, right? The yeah. value we derive from actual value is the problem of the current <laughs> economic crisis. The value derived from value. Good. Good one to put in. I just get, I think whenever I talk about Bitcoin uh, with people that are familiar with it, it's, it's that, yeah, they don't need to know how it works, right? But there has to be that sweet spot. There has to be a sweet spot of understanding because that sweet spot of understanding gives you faith. It allows faith to be built. Well, maybe not so much them, but uh, maybe their leaders, their congressmen or representatives, or I guess if you're in China, workers, council member. Yeah. You know, like 
because these are going to be the kind of people that are voting on stuff like that. I think making sure that, say, the leaders know how this works and make sure that the leaders are comfortable with this and make them understand that, well, you know, if they're in it for their people and they're just not in it to increase their own power, you know, that is giving power to, say, their constituents or their districts, then I think we'll see them trying to disseminate the message to their constituents. And then generally, I mean, you know how Congress works, like, these people get reelected like 90% of the time or more. Like generally they'll, their constituents or at least the people who care enough about it, they'll just say like, yeah, sure. I trust you. So, so you think we should target the top dogs and then it'll just trickle down. I hate using the term trickle down because yeah, of terrible. the con- connotations there. But yeah, I do think we should t- we should target top dogs. I think like, you know, talking to congressmen, talking to financial regulators, talking to lobbyists. I know that that's a dirty word for a lot of people, but talking to lobbyists, that would be the like key to getting people to get into Bitcoin because these are the people who are going to be like in the faces of say administrations, in the faces of like, you know, the powerful people, the powerful regulators who can make this happen. Um, like I think Bitcoin in a way, is a little bit lacking in that regard, in that we don't have, say, a political entity to fight our battles on Capitol Hill, at least in the United States. I don't, I really can't speak for the rest of the world. That's that's why I took the job that I currently have, was an effort to try and educate those people. Because the company that I work for educates those people and solves a lot of their problems. So you work for a lobbying firm? No, I work for a, a data analytics company that does a lot of consultation to government entities. Which one? I hope not NGP Van. No, it's a relatively small company called Novetta. I've heard of them. Um, but like in that same vein, like I had a good way to, to do that same type of thing, but not necessarily through thought leaders, is to get people to start paying their employees in Bitcoin. Right? If right. if you get paid it's like, say, you go to a job, and like, oh, we pay in Bitcoin, so that's how you're going to get paid. They have to learn to adapt because that's how they get the mm-hmm. money that they work for. Well, yeah. forces them to start using it. So if you can get people to start just paying their employees in Bitcoin, then everything, everything underneath them automatically mm-hmm. adapts to using Bitcoin. Yeah, it forces adoption. That's what it does. It's uh, a very push on adoption. I think like, the best way to force adoption is to try to push through legislation. I agree. And that's like legislation could, could you know, it's. But it's, before but, you guys go down that route, at a certain point, you've got to, you got to, you got to cut shit off. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about a literal like age difference and a cultural difference. Like some of those legislators up there, they're not going to get in. They don't care. They lived their entire life on a system that they have whole heart and faith to. So there's a certain age. I think maybe 35 and below, 40 and below would be pushing it. But those are the people you educate because like people our age right now are going to be learning things and moving into legislation when they're in their 50s and their 50s and their 60s, right? So, if they're educated now, they're going to be more comfortable to believe in a system when they have the power to change rules to a system. 
So at a certain point, you just cut those guys off. Like Bitcoin right now, when it comes to legislators and making any changes that are positive for it, it's a wrap for at least five years, maybe even 10. They just, they've lived so long under fiat that there's nothing outside of it they can possibly understand that actually could work, work really well. Just like your grandma being forced to change over to get a digital uh, converter. TV converter for her old ass set top box television. Yeah. Like if oh. that, that happens sometime, she's not going to be happy about it, but it's but for see, because everyone else is already doing it underneath that. But see, like with that, um, another thing to consider is that she was being forced to do it eventually. Um, I know everyone was switching to digital, digital, but I remember they were saying they wanted to free those wave airwaves up for like what cell phone service or something. I can't quite remember, like broadband, so mm-hmm. that they could sell like those. And you know that was a good move on the government. But see, the thing is, if the government hadn't stepped in legislation, I'm assuming from lobbying pressure from big telephone or big ISP. I guess we should start calling those guys that big ISP, big cable. Uh, <laughs> uh, if not for those guys coming in with their lobbyists and we want to be able to buy that spectrum on an auction, then I think the, then I think grandma today would still be using like her set top TV without the digital converter. You're right. And here's, here's a problem with regulation. Like this is something that I see as a problem or the roadblock or what's slowing it down to regulation with digital currencies is you need standards when you want to work for a government, right? A government will not adopt anything unless there is a time tested standard and the and you tell me a standard for, for blockchain over the past two years and one that hasn't changed. It's standard. like they need standards in order to regulate things. And they say, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to go by this standard. And there aren't a lot of those things being built for the various use cases of blockchain that a government's going to latch onto and say, okay, we're going to use this. We're going to go with this. The standards we're are very built much into the system. Kind of, but they're, they're, they're moving. Well, There's no, yeah, they're, they're moving. They're not concrete yet. Wait, um, what do you guys mean by standards? Okay. For instance, IEEE standards. Yeah. Like IEEE standards. Like there isn't a standard for say a block size. You know, even though uh, Bitcoin's block size is stuck where it is, other I think, like, altcoins and chains are like building with different block sizes. So they're not really adhering to any particular standard. Like Bitcoin has its own thing going on, but like other altcoins are showing up and they're like, okay, we're doing this, but we're doing this our own way, absent a standard. And like, because there's no like set in stone, this is what you have to have to be call yourself, say, a cryptocurrency, or this is what you have to have to call yourself a blockchain, other than, you know, the technical definition of a blockchain. Because there's no standards like that, uh, it'd be hard to like have government adoption. Yeah. So, I think, say, like, or for a regulator to say a certain thing, um, limiting about. Bitcoin, say like, we have regulation on Bitcoin in terms of a like financial investment. There, the use case of Bitcoin transcends any one like area, right? It's it, it has its fingers in a lot of different areas of like how humans transact value. And if you regulate one aspect of that, it may it may 
screw up a different aspect of that in the government yeah. or like in, in, in how we use it because they don't have a full understanding or because they're they're confined to regulate within a small area because that's the way our, our current system works like our s- system we have for like financial modeling or for like for like transacting value only stays inside the area of transacting value whereas bitcoin just permeates everything so if you regulate one aspect of it you may screw up a different part and that becomes difficult for lawmakers especially if they don't understand it i think that i think that perhaps the way you guys are defining how standards would be set is a little too wide in its breadth. Like we have protocols on the internet already that people use. IEEE, yeah. HTTP, ITCP, so, IP. Those are all standards, but there's just many toss versions. Bitcoin of in there as one of them. Bitcoin is a protocol. It is the standard. No. I mean, you say there's no standard block size. If you make Bitcoin the protocol, boom, the block size is now one megabyte. The only standard you need is how you change that. There needs to be a governing body that says how we change that. Well, that's already a standard too. It has to be consensus among the miners. The standards are set. The game is the, – the rules of the game are set. No, see, here's the thing. The rules of Bitcoin are set. But yeah, exactly. It's, but see, it's only the rules of, say, Bitcoin. And like, you know, we talk a lot in the snack, you know, I'm one of those guys who totally believes in a a world where Bitcoin is a reserve currency and like everyone just builds like, you know, some type of blockchain, like transaction model on top of that. Like, you know, I use Zcash day to day, but my Zcash can, if I take it to a Bitcoin exchange, I can get like my value, like. I can get derive your value from is the right. Bitcoin blockchain. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And so the thing is, just because Bitcoin does have this quote unquote standards, they're not really standards. Bitcoin core basically throws shit at the wall. And if it sticks on like what, 90 something percent of the miners, then they keep it. And the nodes. Yeah, ninety something percent of the nodes. If it sticks on ninety percent of some nodes, then they keep it. And Bitcoin Core is not very much that much of a governing body. It's like just kind of an open source project that a lot of people are contributing to. And then they're just like, oh, well, we're gonna like see how this works. Like someone's implemented this thing. I hope it works. Um. So, but I think Corey and I are saying are is that. We think that there should be, say, I don't know, a IEEE committee or something along those lines that like lays out a specification for what makes for, say, a standard blockchain protocol. That's a hard thing to do, though. Like, I feel like there needs to be something. I don't know exactly what it is, but something along those lines that allows government to be okay with starting legislation in some way shape or form right now they're so inadequately educated and the space is so new that them making a judgment call now would is bad for the space and they've, they've said that before they're like we shouldn't regulate now because it's too new and there's too much room for innovation that will stifle it but that's which i believe is true I, I feel like it's just well. too it's too early to do these types of things. But 
starting with education allows them to not stifle it in the ways that it can currently do things now. Mm. Okay. The thing that the thing about Bitcoin that's that's troublesome is that what's happening right now, what people don't realize what's happening, and I've been working business editing on steroids for like the past six months. These banks and all these entities that are starting up these blockchain tests, stuff like that, they give a fuck about it. They're gathering data to give to their lobbyists to pitch their blockchain in hopes that it wins with the government. That's all there's, that they're there's doing. A, there's a good amount of truth there. Yeah, Bitcoin, there's a lot of truth there. Bitcoin is set in stone. That's why I get pissed at the community arguing over stupid shit. Because if the community is split and we can't get a momentum of human energy behind Bitcoin, then the banks and all these entities are going to use all of their money and resources to gather their data to pitch something that regulators are going to feel is better than Bitcoin. Well, yeah. And you know what? That's why, like, for instance, Zcash and Zcash, the Z Foundation, like, those guys, I think, are doing it right in that they are keeping like the core developers in their in their coin like tight, and they're doing it by giving them incentives to like stay like tight within that structure. And they have a governance model that I think it's a lot better than Bitcoin's governance model. Like Bitcoin's governance model, this whole like it's kind of a caucus, you know, like. You just basically put put up like your candidate standard, and then basically the loudest voice in, voices in the room they get if they want your candidate standard, then they get. Then that's what happens. And it's too unruly. It's too easy for people to get like upset about it. You know, it's too easy for people to like say no, especially when you set your standard to be something like over ninety percent of the nodes. Like imagine if for say a constitutional amendment like right now getting a constitutional amendment passed or con- passed and turned into like an actual amendment is really freaking hard but like imagine how much harder it would be if you needed to get consensus among over 90 percent of the states instead of just i think it was three quarters of the states yeah like, it's, it's 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 infeasible Right. Like right now, just with the model we have now, we only in 200 years, we've added, what, 27 amendments? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine how much, how many fewer amendments we'd have if we, if it was that much harder to actually get an amendment passed. Well, yeah, I, I, think- I agree in that it's just too difficult to get things to pass under current consensus model like of, yeah. of Bitcoin. And the thing is, it's hard to like change like the current consensus model because I think people are really afraid that if they piss off enough of the nodes, then like say you only require say three quarters of the nodes to agree on something. A lot of people seem to be afraid that like twenty five percent of the nodes just be like, "Fuck this shit! I'm gonna go do our we're gonna go do our own like coin with like blackjack and hookers." <laughs> well, blackjack and hooker to, coin. That goes back to. Like people believing that Satoshi is a god and everything that he did was right, and he Boy, watch it. understood everything watch it. that was going to happen over the next ten years. Careful now. I don't want to talk religion on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not necessarily getting into that, but like, like they take everything that he said as sacrosanct, and it's kind of the same thing how how we feel about the founding fathers of our constitution. 
Like they didn't understand what Facebook was ever going to be. And if you told them that it existed, they would have told you you're fucking crazy and you live in an alien world. And <laughs> how can they make you. law? And, and I would so, duel you for yeah. insulting my intelligence. And I would shoot you in the chest after we took a shot together. Like, <laughs> you can't. So like people who still believe that we shouldn't ever change the vision of the original and, and, and as a hard line, like you can't change a single word or letter of it. Don't understand that this technology moves incredibly fast and the way the world change is and the social change of like how we interact is mm-hmm. questioning a lot of the ways we've done things in the past. Or like he didn't, he, Satoshi thought that pools were going to be a thing, but he still had the idea that one, one CPU was one vote and he didn't see how ASICs were going to yeah. be a thing. Satoshi had no idea that ASICs were going to come on and the so, market. And because basically, of that, we have to adjust. And 95% is a ridiculous amount of people in such a large space because a good 45% of them don't care. So they're not going to vote. Right. And with ASICs, like, it's, I feel like with ASICs, we're getting to a, the same problem that we had with banks where. You know, ASICs make it harder for, like, me to, like, just set up my computer and mine for, like, to mine each night. You know, like, there's no casual mining in Bitcoin. And so ASICs have made it so that only, like, really the rich and powerful already are able to be nodes. Partake in that part of the whole system, which is a, a, a leg of the table of the system. You take that leg out and we're all screwed. Right. And so, yeah. It's hard. And so I think making a standard that, you know, that maybe Bitcoin isn't going to be the thing that ends up being the central dominant cryptocurrency. Maybe it's going to be Ethereum. Maybe it's going to be something else. And to set standards now would kind of screw us because if it doesn't, if it ends up where Bitcoin isn't the one, then you put a real bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Right. And, you know, I would love for Bitcoin to be like, you know, the standard, mostly because of its transparency. And I would, but at the same time, you know, I always go back to Zcash because I think Zcash is like sort of a really good idea where you have a public and a private address so that you can make public transactions and you can make private transactions because I think privacy is a very important part of any. I think privacy is an important part of, say, commerce. I want to be able to purchase things without the whole world knowing that I purchased them. But at the same time, if I'm moving large amounts of money, like, say, if I'm moving, like, large amounts of Bitcoin or Zcash, like, I would like for that to be on the open. I would like for people to see those addresses because, like, when you have at least... I don't know. Like, I think I need some more time to actually get coher- get a coherent idea of like what I want out <laughs> of it. Because like, what I would love to see is for Bitcoin to be the reserve currency that governments and banks trade on, and then stuff like, and then like the United States could totally like, you know, make a new U.S. dollar that is, that's its own cryptocurrency, and then we all use that new dollar that's like also a cryptocurrency now. Except 
the United States trades in Bitcoin. So if I have this U.S. dollar that is a that is now crypto, I could say, hey, U.S., I'm moving to Germany. I am renouncing my citizenship and I am joining the Fourth Reich. Damn it. Give me all <laughs> of my dollars in Bitcoin so that when I go to Germany, I can change them out for Deutsch euros. Deutsch, yeah, mark, euro marks. And bye. You kind of touched on something there. Like it's, it's, we don't, it's hard for us to articulate what we want out of all of this. And I think what businesses are doing, it, like it's, it's kind of an emergent property and the success of a given business in the space is dictated by like, cause we all kind of have a feeling of what we want. And when someone offers something that, that touches on that feeling, we then use that service. Like Coinbase said, I'm going to make, essentially, I'm going to make a bank or I'm going to make it easy to do X in this space. And that touched on a lot of our feelings of how we felt about what we wanted in the space. And so everyone used it. And so they grew. And that's what you, it's the only thing you can really do because it's so unarticulated about what we're trying, what we want out of all of this is that you just have to build a service that does something. And if that speaks to the feeling of what you want out of this space and what you're trying to do, then you're going to use that service and you grow as a company. And that's how pretty much all, all companies work. You provide something, a service, a very specific service to the people. And if that does what they want, whether or not they know they necessarily want it or have articulated that they want it, they're going to use it because they want it. Right. And... We just need more of that. And over time, the, it'll be emergent on what people want based on what they use. And a lot of people are going to fail, as with all startups. Yeah. Uh, the thing I, is, I, I think that I, I connect really with the bigger ideas, bigger ideas kind of stuff. And I think uh, that Bitcoin has that potential to be the bigger ideas. Like, people don't move. That you have, you push them or you pull them, but very few people move on their own. And the only way they're going to move, push or pull either direction, is by doing something that changes the way they behave. And if we build Bitcoin in such a way that it doesn't demand a change on the way people behave, then nothing is going to change. All, all that's going to happen is we're going to copy and paste the current system's malfunctions onto the new Bitcoin system. So, who solves that problem? I don't know. But there's got to be a slight behavioral change that causes a massive shift. Like, for instance, uh, when cars first started up, people were dying left and right because they were walking on the streets and cars were running them over. And so then they had to like put a piece of tape or put a person there that says, hey, don't walk here. It's a small adjustment in people's behavior. It's like, hey, I know you used to be able to walk across this dirty, muddy road, but you can't anymore. So stop walking here. And then that allowed for the pathways for automobiles to just kind of take over. That small little behavioral change. And I don't know where that is with Bitcoin. Maybe it's the way people think about handling their money in this new digital era. But I think that has to be it. You know what? I think it has to be several more massive hacks that take place. And then it has to get so bad where criminals are actually personally hacking people at a very rapid this? rate. As, a, as, a, as, an, as an alternate 
argument to what you're saying is that you want you want Bitcoin to change how people interact with money and value so that we can like lead them to better practices. But like what if we create Bitcoin so that it looks almost identical to what people are comfortable with now? And when outside change happens and those problems fail, which I believe they inevitably will fail based on the way the world's moving. And Bitcoin's looking around being like, we're fine. What's up? Everyone's going to flock to Bitcoin because everything else is failing. And they're comfortably using it so they can get there fast. Mm. I, I feel like that that's a, I mean, it's, it's a, maybe a mixture of those two things where like, because Bitcoin can act and look exactly like money. It, but it can do so much more. It's just that it's just a facet of how cryptocurrencies yeah. work. There has to be a behavior change. There, ha- there has to be a massive behavior change that's small, or else there won't be any change. People will won't use Bitcoin without having to change something that they physically do. Like for instance, that, when I is that huh? forced or is that emergent? So like Facebook forced. It's like Facebook didn't force people to spend their entire time on Facebook and allowed them to do something which they spent a lot of time doing and then people added services to it. No one forced people to become social media zombies. Yeah. That just happened because we gave them a service that allowed them to become that. Yeah, thoughts were born. They weren't created. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Really I'm just thinking. We're just really thinking hard. about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe it just depends on the thing, right? So I, I like automobiles as an example because we would not be using them if people weren't forced to use them. We simply wouldn't. Laws were put in place. Things were put in place. Infrastructure was built to force people to do it. Oh. Not exactly. Like it's I mean, actually... the favorite quote, Henry Ford, he's like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Though I forced this on them through my money and my laws and my power. We're using the car because it's better. Stop being a fucking idiot. Right. Horses suck compared to this thing. Yeah, but the right. infrastructure right. that was built to allow for it allowed for so much more. And that was kind of the inevitability of... People using something that was better than what they had. Yeah, I mean, paved roads were originally. I think the big push to make them pay was people started riding riding bikes, and a lot of people were like, a bike is so much easier to have than a horse. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to like clean up a shit. You just get on it, and then you can ride, and then you can just pedal your way to where you need to be. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. But uh, with cars, yeah, like. It became this innovation because, again, a car is a lot easier to take care of than a horse. And gasoline back then was not, I mean, it's cheap now, at least you're, you're an American, but back then it was super cheap because gasoline was like the trash from, like, refining oil. Like, all the important shit you wanted, like the kerosene and stuff like that, you <laughs> got it. And then gasoline, that was what was left over. That was just trash to a lot of people. So it was like super cheap to like say, oh, we're going to power this combustion engine off this trash that people don't want anymore. <laughs> yeah. An odd world. <laughs> it is odd. It really, I don't, it really is odd. 
That's why I like Bitcoin. It sparks conversations like this that normally don't spark up in this day and age because people are too busy worried about whatever the fuck Channing Tatum said to whoever the fuck or yeah, whatever Kardashian is. So I agree with what Corey said that Bitcoin could be more, but at the same time, I'm of the mind that Bitcoin probably shouldn't be more than currency simply because that was what it was purpose built to do and to be in the first place. But that's okay because one, it's protocols open source. And two, you can like, people have already like moved away from it and started trying to do say the big picture stuff that they think they can do with the kind of technology that Bitcoin is built on. For instance, uh, Vitalik B word. Buterin. Russian. Vitalik Buterin. Vitalik Buterin. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the way I say it. Okay. I, yeah, Buterin, I say like, V dog. Yeah, he was like, you know, we could like totally make decentralized organizations and smart contracts and like decentralized app platforms with Bitcoin. And the Bitcoin people were like, no. So he was like, okay, Ethereum. And, you know, uh, who's the other guy? Zuko. Zuko Wilcox was like, hey, like we can totally add things into the Bitcoin protocol so that we can have like, suit like actually anonymous transactions and bitcoin was like eh. and so he went and he started <laughs> zcoin and well zcash and you know his whole purpose of doing that was that he wanted to be, a, be able to show that it could be successful and if it's successful maybe the stuff that he does in zcash be pulled back into bitcoin because they're similar enough but i think bitcoin as it stands is doing what it should do and i think it should continue to as you know a community to try to work out the problems that they're having with just doing the thing they're purpose built for for instance like fast transactions low transaction fees and all the other things that bitcoin scale. yeah scale all the things that we argue about on the internet when it comes to bitcoin mm -hmm. like they need to work on that and they need to sink keep their and i think it's great that you know when, say, Ethereum came along, well, when Buterin was like, hey, we could totally do this, they were like, well, go do it on your own. We need to focus on getting this one thing we want to do right. And when Zuko was like, hey, we can also do this, they're like, go do it on your own. We're going to continue to try to focus on this thing we, we want to get right. And I think that that's a good say, well, one, they probably couldn't implement it anyways because shit their model for like implementing new features is so fucking weird and stupid but <laughs> no offense it's just like i don't know i feel like if they took a civics course before they implemented bitcoin they know that getting 95 percent consensus on anything is really hard it doesn't really it makes it really hard for you to like change things when they need to be changed like, I'm pretty sure 100 years from now, people are going to be having the same conversation we have about our current financial system and our government, even, with Bitcoin. In fact, people are already having those conversations where nobody's happy with what Bitcoin Core does. And everyone wants change, but Bitcoin Core is slow to make change. And we're seeing that. And I think one of the big problems is that fucking 95% consensus model. I'm Sorry. not going to disagree with you. 95% <laughs> okay. is really high. That's for sure. 
Yeah, like if you want to like not get anything done, that is how you don't get anything done. <laughs> I feel like you should walk into the Bitcoin Core offices. Are you trying to not get things done? Because that's how you not get things done, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously, that is how you not get things done. Like maybe walk up to them and like show them. I don't know, like the Federalist Papers or something. <laughs> Just being like, here's a bunch of people talking about how to get sh- shit done with the centralized yeah. governance model. I think the cruelest irony is that Bitcoin tried so hard to take the human element out of things. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's becoming so clear how much it's a part of it. And you can't deny it. And how it's used and how it's maturing is like, damn, everybody's so human. Even this, I bet you there's people participating in this community right now. Just like you said, Corey, 45% of people turned their nodes on two years ago, haven't updated shit, don't give a damn. They're just letting it run. They're not voting. voting. <laughs> not, not voting on shit. Not listening to shows. Okay, so the idea <laughs> of taking the human out of a, trend, of, of a, of a value transaction system is... Is a, is a non-starter, right? Yeah. Who's transacting value? Who's using the system? Humans. Yeah. Who's, who's changing the system? Humans. You can't take humans out of this and to think that that's not going to be a problem in the future and you don't have a good governance model. Eh. So, Maybe, dude, we know. just build this as currency for the robots and then try yes. and build this. <laughs> it's Internet of Things, man. Just try and build this currency for robots and then, like, build this. Then just. I don't know, man. There's so many big problems. So we many should, big. We could go on forever. Let's let's wrap this up. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening here on Christmas. Yeah, and thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for being a fan. Yeah, man. Dude, Thanks for like, keep... when I first when I first uh, started listening, I was like, "This is what I like." It's like these three guys just talking about Bitcoin and how they're gonna buy dope shit with it, and how it's gonna be <laughs> so dope when like everybody like gets in on it and. I was like, this kind of people I want to hear talk about Bitcoin. And thank you for not being soulless marketing machines. Thank you for not oh, trying to mystify just, Bitcoin. You just wait. <laughs> you you just we're, wait. We're actually all shills. Just, just wait. Yeah. For we're okay. about to start having episodes that are just commercials. An hour and a half long. <laughs> this episode that. is brought to you by Downey, Duracell, <laughs> Energizer, Cheerios, Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Baloney. <laughs> Wait, Oscar Mayer or Ziegler? Both. Oscar Mayer all the way. <laughs> Do you White like people. bread? They sponsor us yeah. too. White people always say Oscar Mayer. I am Oscar Mayer. Is it not yeah. Oscar Mayer? No, it is. I'm saying Oscar Mayer tends to, in my opinion, it's like the white people's baloney, but Ziegler is like the people's baloney. Like the minority <laughs> baloney. <laughs> the people's baloney. The people's like, Oscar Mayer's for the elite. <laughs> That shit and, and Ziegler is for the people. They're, Ziegler is the people's <laughs> champ of baloney. I am a white supremacist because I love Oscar Mayer. Hey, I didn't say you were a white supremacist. <laughs> I said that you were the elite. <laughs> You're the one percent. <laughs> I eat craft, so I don't even know what the fuck's going on in my world. I don't either. I didn't roll craft baloney. Bro. <laughs> I'm broke, motherfucker. I'm broke. All right. We got to wrap this up. So thank you guys for an amazing 2016. We've experienced a lot of growth this year. 
Um, you know, we're trying to start this network slowly, but surely we're going to sneak up on Let's Talk Bitcoin and they're going to be like, whoa, there's another Bitcoin network? And we're going to be like, yeah, it's us. Crazy, right? Just three guys. And so thank you guys for, for tuning into that. Of course, Hearse is in our, on, our, on our website. If you click on the sidebar, you can start an account with Purse and you can shop. Oh, that's and gone. Get... Chilla took it a while. We're not affiliated with Purse anymore. We're affiliated so... with them. We're okay, with we're them. still we affiliated with Purse. I don't know how I run my own show, is what this basically boils <laughs> down to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my website or the show. Um, uh, shout out to Esperanza Gomez and <laughs> Zoe Saldana, you of got course. You want to shout out or, or plug? Please? Do I have something I want to shout out? Uh, shout out to... You know, Carrie Fisher, I heard you had a really rough weekend. Oh, yeah. You That's know what? True. I hear you're recovering, and I'm glad to hear it. You yeah. are a national treasure. Shout out to Diane Rain, 40 years on public radio. She just wrapped up Friday. You know, like, if you wanted to hear, like, an old lady, like, take down, like, some young men, like, over the years. Diane Rain, was, yeah, Diane Rain was an 80. She's signing off, you know, she needs a shout out. Uh, shout out to, you know, Donald Trump. You won. Fuck you. <laughs> but you know what? You made it, man. And, you know, I hope that you don't, like, you know, destroy the country or anything. I don't think you will, but I really hope you don't. He's trying really bad. Yeah, hey, is this China? I, I found this number. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Hillary Clinton. Almost again, for like the second time in your career. She's but done this know, time. Yeah, but you know what? Like, you worked really hard. You gave a lot of people hope, and you know, people still believe in you. Shout out to Bernie Sanders for fucking Hillary Clinton shit up the way you did. You know, you <laughs> gave a lot of people hope, and people believe in you. Uh, you need to start a political commentary podcast. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been considering it. I was going to call it live from African America. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, who else? Um, yeah. And shout out to you guys, you know, for making this great podcast and, you know, giving me something to listen to where, like I said before, you take all, you don't really get into the bullshit that a lot of the other people talking about Bitcoin and blockchains do. Uh, and shout out to you guys for like helping me out. Shout out to D for helping me with the transaction recently. Oh yeah, that went pretty smoothly. You should tell yeah, everyone really about smooth. that. It, yeah, it happened. Like, yeah, I was Go like, ahead. I need a Bitcoin today, and D was like, I got you, bro. Just send me the money. I sent him my, I sent him the money. He sent me the Bitcoin. Yep. Done. No house. That's called peer to peer. Bank of America doesn't even fucking know. They probably do. All right. They, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got one more. I got one more for you. We'll, we'll close out on this. All right. Before we forget. Can you explain Bitcoin in 10 words or less? Can I explain Bitcoin in 10 words or less? Okay. Bitcoin is an alternate to cash. Done. Alternate to cash. If you include done, that's five words, so good job. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, 
Thank you guys for tuning in. Play. Wait, you want to say that part, Elias? Say what part? Play the outro. Oh, shit, yeah. Play the outro. <laughs>